the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, November the 9th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On November 9th, 1989, communist East Germany threw open the borders, allowing citizens to travel freely from the West for the first time in decades. Young adult Germans danced atop the Berlin Wall. If you listen to this program regularly, you know that I have mentioned before that I was there at that time. I just happened to be there. I wasn't there because of the wall being opened and the barriers being taken down. But I was speaking in a church, actually, a church that Kaiser Wilhelm had built for himself, um, not to the glory of God necessarily, some years ago in, 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 it was in Berlin. And um, I, I uh, happened to be there when all of this was happening. It was stunning. It was amazing. And um, I walked across the wall. We did, and we held an open air service just in a in a kind of a city square there, with permission. I mean, they said, "Sure, do whatever you want to do." I mean, that was kind of the attitude of the moment. So we held this service. We had some portable microphones and some loudspeakers, and we just sat up there. And we, I don't know how many four, six, eight hundred people showed up, and they were standing there, and and we gave an invitation for people to accept Christ and so on. But it was really a tremendous um, time, and it, it just is almost indescribable how people feel, feel when they've been oppressed for so long, and then they have liberty, freedom in front of them. It's there for them. It was an amazing time. <clears throat> Today in 1620, the passengers and crew of the Mayflower sighted Cape Cod. I was not there for that event. Today, in 1872, fire destroyed nearly 800 buildings in Boston. Today, in 1918, it was announced that Germany's Kaiser Wilhelm II would abdicate. He then fled to the Netherlands. He left his church empty, by the way, the one that I was talking about. And there was a large congregation of young adult, young families in the church, evangelical church at that time. And we were able to speak there as well. Today, in 1938... The Nazis looted and burned synagogues as well as thousands of Jewish-owned stores and houses in Germany and Austria. It was a program of deliberate persecution that became known as Kristallnacht, Night of Broken Glass. Many said, following this time back in 1938 and in more recent years, that would never happen again. It could never happen again, and yet it is happening as we speak. It's happening in Israel. It's interesting how history repeats itself because the human heart is sinful and broken. And without God, people seem to repeat the same hideous sins, no matter how depraved they are. That's why we need a Savior. We need to be set free from the bondage of our sin. And some of the things that we do 
all of the things that we do because of our brokenness and our sinfulness. We need Jesus Christ as our Savior. Today in 2016, Democrat Hillary Clinton conceded the presidential election to Republican Donald Trump. She told supporters, she didn't come out that night, I remember it pretty well, she sent one of her guys out to say, well, we're, we're going to keep watch the count and blah, blah, blah. But she knew it was over. The next day, she did uh, make an announcement. She said she conceded the presidential election to Trump. She told her supporters in New York that her defeat was, quote, painful, and it will be painful for a long time. Well, it still is painful. She still talks about it as though it were yesterday. She's still living through that loss that she never thought would happen because her whole life was wrapped up from her very young years as an adult, was wrapped up in becoming president of the United States. It didn't happen. It it likely will not happen at this point. The Republicans had a debate last night, I guess, sort of. Um, It's becoming repetitious, and I'm... I, I'm a registered Republican, but I'm, I'm looking for value in this. What I mean, is there value? Nobody seems to have found any value in this other than it's just what we do. We have debates. Um, Trump is 40-some points ahead of all of these people on the stage, and they're all good people, but no one has politically broken out and has become really a a challenger to Trump. And I know there are people behind the scenes that really do hate Trump, not just in the Democrats, but there are Republicans who do as well. And they may be driving some of these decisions, but there, there were people with a much louder voice than mine saying last night, why are we doing this? I mean, there were national people with national influence. They were saying, why are we continuing with these these debates, I mean, they're not accomplishing anything other than, you know, it allows these, what is it, five people now that are left to get up. And Chris Christie knows he doesn't have a chance, but he loves, he loves the attention. And he gets to blast Trump publicly. And that's his whole goal. So, okay. But is that a reason to have a, a debate, national debate? Anyway, the thing, that, the thing that I found kind of interesting last night was that this, um, uh, this Ramswamy, uh, Vivek, Vivek Ramswamy, who's running for president, he's kind of an entertaining guy. I mean, he's kind of, he, he's pretty bright, his, his mind. I don't think he is qualified to be president. I don't think he would become president. But nonetheless, he he came right out of the shoot last night. I found that a point of interest to me. But he said he accused NBC News debate moderator, this Kristen Welker, uh, of pre- previously promoting the conspiracy that former President Donald Trump colluded with Russia in the 2016 presidential election. And as a matter of fact, it is. He said, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment, Ramswamy said. Uh, he said, the it's about, he, he said, I want to ask you about the Trump-Russian collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real? Or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. <laughs> well, she didn't answer the question. She avoided. She moved on, and you know they kind of coalesced around her, and so on. Uh, 
I, you know, it's like I, I, the question, I mean, immediately people started fact-checking what he had said. And within a half an hour, it was all over the Internet that she did say that. And um, th- there's a, a video of her suggesting with nuanced, with a nuanced question to Trump that he had, in fact, worked for Russia. And why don't you just come out and say it, kind of an attitude? And she asked him, point blank, she said, have you ever worked for Russia on this tape? This Walker asked Trump. So it's very, very biased. And I mean, everybody knows that. And so they just keep having these. So people were last night calling for, uh, just to cancel, let's not have any more debates because, I mean, it's it's so redundant. But (laughs) this morning... The RNC has announced this morning, it's breaking news. It was half hour ago um, at my nine o'clock when this program is live. It was a half hour ago this morning. The RNC announced that Megyn Kelly is going to host the next, the next debate. What are they thinking? Well, they're trying to load it up with what they see as personalities. I, they have the, they selected News Nation, the Megyn Kelly show, but they featured Megyn Kelly in their statement. Uh, she's on Sirius XM now. She, she was at Fox and she wasn't conservative and she went to NBC and she was, you know, liberal. And I mean... Anyway, they have the free, uh, also the free Washington, the, the Washington Free Beacon. They're not bad. They have Rumble as the co-host for the next debate. That'll the debate will take place in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Washington Free Beacon editor in chief Elena Johnson and Elizabeth uh, or News Nation's Elizabeth Vargas. Well, Vargas used to be with ABC for years, and, and I mean. They they're presenting her as though she's a real staunch, you know, conservative that'll ask honest questions. I don't think they're going to get what they want. And here's what Megyn Kelly said when this came out just this morning, just about a half an hour ago. The press asked her about it, and Megyn Kelly's response was, "Quote: This is a quote. It will be the margarita of debates, spicy, fun, and somewhat intoxicating." So the next Republican debate will be spicy and fun and somewhat intoxicating, says the lead moderator. That's what I was talking about yesterday. We're we're committing political suicide by a thousand cuts. I mean, I don't know what these people are thinking. I mean, I'm nobody and not that smart, but... Boy, they, they need to rethink all how they're handling this. It's being driven by some kind of complexity and their problem solving and all of this because they're not solving any problems. And they have problems. That showed up in the election on Tuesday night. I mean, man, it was it was tough to see. Anyway, that's what happened in the political world. There's a revival happening around the world. I've mentioned it before. It's happening across America. It's happening in other places in the world. An atheist advocacy group is seeking information related to the Auburn University coaches' participation in a campus revival event where 
head football coach Hugh Freeze reportedly baptized a player. I talked about that when it happened. It's been several weeks ago now, but the outpouring of, of the Lord is still happening at Auburn University and, and other universities across the country. Anyway, this uh, football coach, he's well-known, highly respected. He's a national figure, Hugh Freeze. Uh, so he was out there in this lake on campus. He, he was baptizing people. I, I mean, I've talked to people who were very close to that, and he was. Anyway, the I mean, according to people that were there, the atheists are contending that such actions violate a US con- the, the U.S. Constitution. The Freedom From Religion Foundation, they sent a demand letter to the Auburn University president last week objecting to what their attorney, Christopher Lyne, said about the, he called, ongoing constitutional violations occurred in Auburn University sports programs. That was his line from his letter. Yes, there has been an outpouring of God's spirit on Auburn campus, people are saying. Line expressed concern. <laughs> that means we're going to sue you if you don't change this. Line con- expressed concern that Freeze, the Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl, and Auburn baseball coach Butch Thompson participated in the September 12 event titled Unite Auburn. That was this outpouring of, of God. I mean, there were thousands and thousands of kids there, and they were accepting Christ, and they're wanting to be baptized. So they went to this lake in the, on the campus, and, and they, they were baptizing. And I didn't know these other coaches were there, quite frankly, till I read this, but I knew that the football coach was there because he was, he, he was baptizing some football players that accepted Christ for the Auburn University football team. So anyway, these guys are are now threatening the university that are going to sue them if they don't stop this stuff on campus. All of the other things that are going on on campus and in the, our cities, and our cities are like third world countries now. All of that is okay. I mean, we're working on it. We're making progress. But when people's lives are fundamentally changed by the power of God, the, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and these young adults who are winners— in sports and well-known with influence, accept Christ and make a public confession of their faith in Christ and are baptized in front of their schoolmates, their fellow kids there on the campus, college kids. They want to stop that. They can't have any of that. The, the real solution to the problems, to the, to the garbage we see on the streets of our cities in Seattle and Portland and San Francisco and Chicago and on and on, all of that is related to a, a problem of sin and confusion. If we could get our lives right, our hearts right, things would begin to look differently in our culture. Politics does not lead a culture to success. Politics reflects the spirit of the people who elect the people in this country. That's not true in other countries, many of them, most of them. But it is here. It's supposed to be, at least. So here we have now this Freedom From Religion Foundation going to sue the university because kids' lives have been dramatically changed. And a coach who cares about the kids perhaps more about their life than even he does football and he is a winning, successful football coach. I don't know. That's what we have. They, they announced in their letter, the, the uh, atheists, in their letter, they said, 
they said it, that they had heard that there were a hundred people were baptized. Actually, that's not true. There were over 200 that were baptized. I say, praise the Lord, carry on, forget these people. There's a miraculous story that's coming out of Nicaragua this morning. It's attending this mass evangelism campaign. They say they're witnessing a move of God in Nicaragua like never before. There's a couple of evangelists there. One's a pastor, one's a missionary, one's an evangelist, and they're holding these services. Uh, their name names are uh, Britt Hancock and Nathan Morris. I've never I don't know either one of them at all. Maybe some of you do, our listeners, but I I didn't. But anyway, they're reporting, and there are people reporting it here now this morning. Uh, this uh, Britt uh, Hancock, he says that the Lord really spoke to his heart, and and kind of impressed him that he was going to do something. The Lord was going to do something special in Nicaragua. And I've, again, spent a lot of time in Nicaragua. That caught my attention. But uh, the Lord confirmed to him that if he would make himself available, that and he felt called to do this. And so they started having these open air, these outside services. And so far, they've had a number of them. So far, they've had 650,000 people attend the outreaches Thousands upon thousands upon thousands have accepted Christ as their personal Savior. The reports are, are encouraging to any believer. Um, the country's got six million people in it. It's about the size of the state of Alabama in geographic size. And the missionary said, we're so grateful to Jesus for what he's doing and that he's allowing us to be a part of it. Well, I would say so. And that would be certainly an answer to many people's prayers and there's people that support these guys and that would be they would be sharing in that as well even the nicaraguan government is taking notice and helping and, and let me just say i've been there a lot of times and we've helped start churches and one thing or another and um I, there's a lot of gangs in 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 nicaragua and it it certain parts of it is really tough and so you know, to see this kind of a move of God is, is special, I think, to all of us, and particularly those of us who have walked the streets there. It's it's not a it's not a safe place, I'll tell you for sure, uh, as several others are not as in Central America as well. But the government now has come out, and no, they're not suing them. They're saying, how can we help you? The government, because they know they need help there. I mean, it's that bad. So they've offered the National Plaza, which uh, has a name. I forget the name of it, Plaza de La Fe or something like that. But it's anyway, it holds about 300,000 people. <clears throat> and uh, this Brit, one of the two guys that's leading these services, he said if the trend continues, it'll just fill up every service with people, 300,000 people. And the government has given it to them to use for these events. It's certainly a stark difference between what's happening here in America. They're suing a university because the the coach baptized a kid whose life was changed by Jesus Christ. And he wanted to publicly profess his faith in Christ by being baptized. He said it's, in Nicaragua, they said it's, it's a stirring of the whole society. <clears throat> of the whole society. And then the one of the missionaries said, they offered this advice. They said, 
just say yes to Jesus, no matter what he asks you to do. Well, I think that's a good advice for all of us. Every single one of us needs that advice. In the meantime, we fight for our freedoms in America that our Constitution guarantees. On the morning of September 23rd, 2022, gun-toting FBI agents showed up at the home of Mark Houck. He's a pro-life father of several children. His entire family, his wife, seven children, it is, were awakened by the early morning pounding on the door of their home by FBI agents. I talked about it on this program a couple of different days because it was just started to seem so out of character for a nation founded under God on the principles of Judeo-Christian values. So what did he do? Why did they arrest him? Well, now he's taking a stand, and I'll come back to that. You may remember this. I certainly do. He's taking a stand. Not only does he oppose abortion, but now it's Mark Houck versus the United States instead of the United States versus Mark Howe. They had sued him. It all started when he is a he's a pro-life Catholic, a very devout Catholic, unlike some, who regularly went to the local Planned Parenthood to quietly and legally stand and pray for the woman the women that were coming in and out of the abortion shop to take the life of their unwanted unborn child. Just praying for him. He wasn't trying to stop them, wasn't getting in their way. On this particular day, he and his oldest son he brought him along with him. A pro-abortion man standing nearby began taunting his, it was then 12-year-old son, right in his face, demeaning the boy's father and their Christian beliefs and just going off. I saw some of the video of it uh, back when this happened. Finally, Mark had had enough of it. He walked over to ask the man to leave his son alone. The man refused, and Mark did what I would have done. And probably you, hopefully you would have as well as a father. He pushed the, <laughs> he pushed the guy. He said, get away from my son. Well, that was caught on video. An abortion worker saw it. The lawsuit was filed against Mark, but the case was dismissed. Halk was later charged, though, by the Department of Justice. They said, oh, no, we're not going to let him get away with that. Somebody got the video to somebody in the Department of Justice. So they then decided to take action. The Department of Justice of the United States against this dad who's out there praying in front of an abortion clinic, pushes a guy who won't leave his son, his 12-year-old son alone, and now the government is coming after him. That's exactly what happened. Apostle Paul calls these kinds of things a persecution for the gospel. It was indeed that. If convicted, he was facing 11 years in prison and up to $350,000 fine. Then on January 30th, many prayers were answered. How was acquitted of all charges. He and his family later prayed outside the Philadelphia Federal Courthouse. He said, I thank you, Lord, where two or more are gathered together in your name, you are there in the midst. Your spirit is here. He prayed. Mark's moving on, but he and his family are living with the trauma of the FBI agent's early morning raid on their home. The kids are still suffering from, they're tra- traumatized by it. I mean, it was unbelievable. There were like, I don't remember the number, but we talked about it at the time. There were maybe, I don't know, 12, 14, 16 officers there with long guns and pistols and cars and bl- flashing lights. This guy had pushed a guy because the guy was in his son's face in front of a, an abortion clinic. 
Well, how, how can his wife have now filed their own lawsuits against the DOJ on Monday of this week, just earlier? But they did not formally announce the news until yesterday. Their complaints detailed the trauma that the entire family suffered while they discovered armed FBI agents banging on their door early in the morning on September 23, 2022. Mark says the FBI agents were lined all the way up and down his driveway. He said, I'd never seen anything like it. He said they had long guns. They were on my porch like rifles. They were on his porch. His suit describes this arrest as an unnecessary and unlawful show of force. I would say that for sure. He, uh, his wife is seeking $3.25 million of damages for herself and the children. Mark is seeking $1.1 million for malicious prosecution. Mark announced in August that he's running for Congress in Pennsylvania's 1st Congressional District. He added... The lawyer added that Mark and his wife have valid and critical claims against the government that raided their house and pointed guns at them and their screaming children. Indeed, they do. But it's not just there. I got an email from a pastor in Spokane, Washington. He contacted me regarding his recent experience. Let me just read his email. He said, hi, Gary. I received this on the 7th, uh, day before yesterday. Hi, Gary. I was at Spokane City Council last night. A bunch of aggressive, well-organized, anti-Israel, anti-police Marxists took over City Hall and shut down the Spokane City Council meeting in the same mold as CHOP, Chaz, that was in Seattle, and BLM and Antifa and so on. He said, I'm typing a letter to all seven council members to point out how aggressive they were to Bible-believing Christians, but feeble and permissive to the activists. Well, looking through my folder, I realized I had typed up something for Pacific Justice Institute. I'll send it to you. Well, this is it. This is Pastor Jay McPherson. He sent this to me. He's a pastor in Spokane, Washington. Our religious liberties seem to have been blatantly disregarded in Spokane. Our mayor came out to a citywide worship service with Sean Voigt. Uh, the city council formally uh, renounced her with resolutions for associating with people who believe what the Bible teaches about sexuality. Paragraph 6 reads, he writes, Whereas video images of the public event show that minutes before calling Major Nadine Woodward on stage, Matt Shea listed the problems he believes the country is facing, specifically naming homosexual marriage, so-called, I would say, and transgender issues. Is believing what the Bible clearly states worthy of renouncement? Transgender issues were not a big focus of the citywide worship service, but biblical sexuality and identity are sincerely held convictions of most of us who were there. Have we come to a place where believing God's word is used as evidence against somebody? Though I believe this resolution was a terrible injustice to Bible-believing Christians in our city, it has awakened many of us to the agenda this council has to silence us and control our speech. I cannot see how this wicked resolution does not defy our rights listed in the First Amendment, freedom of religion and freedom of speech. He said many Spokaneites believe transgender issues are a problem this country is facing. Do we not belong in this city? I feel this is a terrible injustice. If the mayor was renounced 4-3 to for attending the same worship service I promoted in my local church, where many attended, 
I am renounced for the same reasons. Clearly, transgenderism is a privileged and protected class when Bible-believing Christians are renounced. Please help. That's what's happening in our world, and that's why it's so important that we be the light that God has called us to be. Thanks for being with me. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.